Wonderful afternoon and glad that we can be back together to worship God tonight. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read the familiar story of David and Goliath. What if the story went something like this? David, a young man, goes to the valley where on either side of the valley, on one side you have the Israelites and their army under King Saul, and on the other side you have the Philistines and you have their champion, Goliath. What if, sent by his father Jesse, David scurries up to the Israelites' mountain and he sees, like he does in 1 Samuel 17, Goliath step forward and issue his challenge. The challenge basically being, you come and fight me. My, I will fight your greatest champion. And if I win, you'll be our slaves. And if you win, we'll be your slaves. And he hears that. But instead of the brave response that we think about and hear about in 1 Samuel 17, what if he scurries and finds his brothers, takes them their snack, takes the little present that he brings for their commander, and then he runs home as quickly as he can, scared to death, just like everyone else was. He gets home and he tells us, Dad, you wouldn't believe that guy. He was huge. There's no way anybody's ever going to beat him. The Israelites, we're in trouble. Well, it wouldn't be much of a story, would it? Uh, We probably wouldn't hear about it. Uh, We certainly wouldn't have vacation Bible schools about great King David and him slaying Goliath. We're thankful for the fact that that in 1 Samuel 17, David is brave. David has the faith. And remember, he says to Goliath, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord my God. He places his trust and his complete confidence in God. We're thankful for that. And it gives us a good example to follow. But let me suggest to you, there is definitely a giant that David failed to slay in his life. And we want to talk about that tonight, this, this idea of what he struggled with that many of us and certainly many in the world struggle with today. And that's this idea of purity, sexual purity, sexual temptation. You know, we talked about marriage and divorce this morning, so I figured, well, we're talking about tough things, let's just keep on going. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about uh, this evening. Here's what I really want you to think about. I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, too detailed. Most of this stuff, we're, we're pretty... Uh, familiar with, I think, those of us who are Bible students. It's, again, one of those things that it's easy to understand. Sexual temptation and that sin is one of the most frequently discussed issues facing mankind within the Bible. Uh, particularly, it's dangerous for the man and woman of God. It's warned against. It's, it's told that, that no one needs to do it, but certainly for the man or the woman of God, there's an expectation that we will avoid such things. Within the Old Testament, within the Old Law, there are a great deal of laws regarding what is and what is not sexually permissible. Very specific things uh, that it talks about, some of which we would not even think about uh, in our day and age. Uh, we're also given a number of a numerous examples of sexual immorality in the New Te- in the Old Testament, and all of those examples, real life stories of people who struggled with and fell to the temptation of sexual immorality in any variety of ways. All of them end badly. All of them, and most of them end in punishment. Uh, when we think about the New Testament, what does the New Testament have to say about this temptation or this sin? Uh, the New Testament specifically condemns sexual immorality uh, num- multiple times. Here are just a few of those. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3, you can turn there or you can write it down and look later, but in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, Paul tells the Christians at Thessalonica, uh, this is the will of God. Have you ever wondered, what's God's will? What's God's will for me? He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. 
And that idea of sanctification carries with it the idea of purity, but he, he, he keeps going to explain it even more. For this is God's will for you, your sanctification. That is, okay, well, what is this, uh, this purification? What is this sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality? He tells them, Christians, man and woman of God, God's will for you is to abstain, to stay away from, to have nothing to do with sexual immorality. You'll probably know when we think about the deeds of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, we read about those deeds of the flesh, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, sexual immorality is listed as one of those things. It's also listed in the verse that we read this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, and any other sexual immorality uh, would be listed along, along those lines that those who practice such things, again, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, I think, I hope you know that. Uh, And if you don't know that, I'm I'm glad you do now. But God clearly says that people who are going to follow him, people who are going to be followers of Jesus, cannot be involved in sexual immorality. To put it plainly, uh, what is sexual immorality? It's sex out of context. Sex only belongs in one relationship between a man and his wife or a wife and her husband. Sex anywhere else is sexual immorality. And we've been told clearly in Scripture that we ought not, that we should not, that we cannot be a part of such things, whether that's outside of our own marriage or without marriage whatsoever. So how do we slay this sin? If it's a sin that, that David failed to slay, we think specifically of the, his interaction with Bathsheba and his uh, adultery with her, how do we slay this sin? He failed to. How do we slay this sin? Let me read you some verses, and let's think about these, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 says, Be steadfast, immovable. You think about being something strong and steadfast. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, referencing the armor of God, it says, Stand against the schemes of the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 9, talking about the devil, it says, Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. And James chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We like those verses because they sound heroic. And we want to be the hero of our own story. We like those verses when we think about temptation, maybe specifically when we think about sexual temptation, because we want to be that kind of strong, faithful person, man or woman of God. And there is a time and there is a place and there is a maturity level that we can reach and we have strengths and we have weaknesses and there are some things that you are strong enough and mature enough that you need to make a stand against some things. But there are also times and there are circumstances and there are temptations that you struggle with that you have absolutely no business standing and fighting against. I want you to hear that. There are some temptations, some struggles that you deal with, some maturity levels that you may not have yet, and you have no business standing and fighting against these things. You see, we want to be, in the story of David and Goliath, we want to be David, but we're not. In the story of David and Goliath, Jesus is David. He's the one who defeats the undefeatable enemy. We're the soldiers standing on the side of the hill who are too afraid to do anything. Shaking maybe in our armor or not even put our armor on yet. Let me suggest to you tonight, how do we slay the sin of sexual temptation, of sexual immorality? Instead of trying to stand against it, I think that we need to flee from it. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
1 Corinthians 6. We'll read a little bit of a longer passage here, so go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let's read verses 13 through 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 through 20. It says there, food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body, okay, we're thinking about this sexual temptation. It has certainly to do with our physical nature, our body. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised up the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? All right, Christians, this is talking about you. This is talking about you. Do you not know? That your bodies are members of Christ? Yes, it's a spiritual relationship, but your physical body is joined with and in union with Jesus. Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make the members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. Verse 17. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Verse 18. Flee. Flee. Flee, run away from immorality. Every other sin, every other sin that a man commits is committed outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For we have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. Your body is not your own. You are a member. Your body is a member of Jesus. We have to avoid, and as it said in verse 18 there, flee immorality. A couple other verses that say similar things. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3 says, But immorality or any impurity or any greed must not even be named among you. Think about that. When people think about you as a Christian, when people think about the Jefferson Avenue congregation, these types of sins should not even be in their minds when they think about you as a Christian, when they think about me as a Christian, when they think about us as the body of Christ that meets here. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, Consider the members of your body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Remember what... Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Our body, our life, everything about us as a Christian is no longer about us. And we, we know that, but do we live like that? Do you struggle to live like that? I struggle to live like that. I struggle to make every part of my life about Jesus. I struggle to let him have dominion over every decision that I make. He is my Lord and thankfully my Savior, but, but I struggle with that, and I'm sure perhaps you do as well. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's read two verses here, and then the lesson will be yours. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to read verse 12 first, and then we're going to go back up to verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and then verse 11. Here specifically, the context is not talking about sexual sins per se, but it is talking about uh, sinful things. It's talking about a, a love of money. It's talking about greed. Notice what he says here in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many members. Again, that's this idea that we want to be heroic we want to fight the good fight of faith. We want to we want to win the battles. And there are battles, again, for us to fight. And we shouldn't always flee. As we grow and as we mature and as we are strengthened, there are times that we must stand and fight. But David was a great man of God, wasn't he? 
David was a man after God's own heart. You don't have more faith than David had. You hear me? You don't have more faith than David had. But he struggled with this. And, and there's, no, there's no mistake. It's not on accident that the Bible talks about over and over and over again the temptation of sexual immorality in all of its forms. It's because we, as a people, struggle with such things. Now, that may not be your greatest struggle, and you may not struggle with it at all, but most people probably do in some form or fashion, or have in the past, or will in the future. It's something that mankind struggles with, that we have taken what God's plan was, and we've corrupted it. So fight the good fight of faith, it says in verse 12. But notice what he says, Paul says to Timothy right before that in verse 11. But flee from these things, you man of God. Other verses we, we read said, stand and, and fight and be strong and act like a man. And men, I think maybe especially we have a problem with this idea of, of fleeing from things because we want to be manly and we want to be, be mighty. And, and we, we think about those verses that say, stand and be strong and fight and act like a man. But notice he says here, flee, you man of God. You see, we're not supposed to just be people like the world. We're supposed to be children of our Father in heaven. And there are times when we stand and we fight, and we fight bravely and we fight strongly like David did against Goliath. But there are times when we should flee. There's no doubt about it that David, when he stood on his balcony, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. He made that choice, though. We read in that passage that it was the time when kings went out to battle, and he was supposed to have been out in the fields with his army. But for whatever reason, and we don't know why, he wasn't there. But the standard was, the expectation was that if, if his soldiers are going to be out in the field fighting a battle, he should at least be in their vicinity. But instead he stayed back in his, his castle or his palace. And that is what led him to do these things. So it says, but flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance and gentleness that tonight if you find yourself struggling with even now or later or in the past struggling with these types of things especially sexual immorality what are some things that you need to flee from what are some things that you need to leave behind david should have left the palace as soon as he saw bathsheba perhaps he should have gotten in his his chariot and driven out to where his soldiers were in that instant to avoid the temptation that came his way. But he didn't do that. Are there some people that you need to flee from? Are there some places that you need to flee from? Are there some tools, computers, phones, entertainment that you need to stay away from? And there are, are there some things that you need to pursue? Are there other people? Maybe you flee from some people because they don't help you in this temptation. But maybe you know of other people. I hope that you know of other people. Strong, faithful Christians who you can go to and say, Hey, I'm struggling and I need your help. Will you pray for me? Will you be here with me? Can I come hang out with you for a little bit? Because I'm really being tempted right now. Flee from negative things. Flee from things that would lead us towards temptation. And pursue good people. Pursue good places. Find good things to fill your time with. And certainly we'll want to pursue holiness. David was a mighty man of God. One of the bravest, perhaps the bravest in all the Bible. But he failed. And we know that that failure with Bathsheba led to many other failures. He wasn't a perfect man, we know that. But he failed in some pretty significant ways. All because he was at the wrong place 
at the wrong time, and he wasn't strong enough, and he wasn't, he wasn't strong enough to overcome the temptation, and he wasn't smart enough to avoid the temptation. There will be times when you'll have to be strong enough to overcome the temptation with the way that God provides. But we always need to look for that way out. We've got to be smart enough to look for it and to recognize it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for uh, these good people, God. Lord, I, I know that we sin, we fall short of your glory, and compared to you, we're not that good. Uh, Lord, we recognize our shortcomings, we recognize our failures. Lord, tonight I pray that you will be with those uh, who are here, uh, that are struggle with sexual temptation and sexual sin, God. Lord, I pray that they will uh, recognize their weakness and that they'll be smart enough to avoid the temptation whenever possible. And Lord, we know that your word teaches us that every time we're tempted, you provide a way out. Lord, help us to be smart enough to find that, to look for it uh, when we can't avoid the temptation that comes our way. Lord, we pray that you will be with us. Help us to be sanctified. Help us to be purified by your blood because we all have sin in our life. Lord, help us in our, our daily walk to follow you closely and to be who you want us to be. Lord, we love you when we want to be everything that you would have us to be. Forgive us when we're not. Help us to stand up and try again and help us to mature in our faith and help us to be there for one another and bear each other's burdens. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This evening, if you uh, find yourself in whatever temptation or if you're not a Christian and you want to know more about that, uh, we want to talk to you about that. Uh, but if you know about it and you are at a point in your life where you want to make a decision for Jesus, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God, if you'll confess him as your Lord, and if you'll submit to baptism, uh, you can have all your sins washed away, and you can be raised up to walk in newness of life uh, with a new slate and a God who's on your side and a family here at Jefferson Avenue who is on your side as well. Brothers and sisters, uh, again, I, I, don't, I don't expect the world to act like Jesus. But I expect you to act like Jesus. And if you've got sin in your life, so does everybody else. But if you're practicing sin in your life, if you're caught up in something and you need help, you don't have to come forward and let us know that. But pull somebody aside, let them know that, and let us help you. And let's help one another on this journey towards heaven. If you do want to let us know, if you need prayers or if you need help in any form or fashion tonight, please come forward as we stand and sing.